Are you wondering how you can learn more about food? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Chakula Podcast, brought to you by the Root to Food Initiative, a show that celebrates authentic Kenyan dishes and serves you hot conversations about food in Kenya from an economic, social, and political lens. Semanasi kwenye social media, at Root to Food on Instagram, at Root to Food on Twitter, and Root to Food on Facebook. And now, here's your host, Felistas Mwalia. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chakula Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Karuri Gidhaka. He is an artist and a regenerative farmer from Kirinyaga County. He'll be talking to us more on GMOs. Karibu sana Gidhaka. Shukuru sana. I'm glad you could make it today and looking forward to learn more about GMOs. Maybe you can start us off by telling us briefly what GMOs are and how they are made and why. GMOs, genetically modified organisms. These are organisms that have been altered through genetic engineering, specifically by introducing gene from an unrelated organism into the plant of an animal or plant cell. Yeah, into the cell of an animal or a plant. How they are made, a lot of us have heard about BT, cotton, BT, maize. So BT stands for bacillus thuringiensis. It's a bacterium naturally found in the soil, but which has been identified to be lethal to some worms like silkworms and now to also like corn borers and uh, cotton ball worms, all of these. Now, what happens is that scientists take the gene out of this bacterium and insert it into plant cell, for instance, say a maize cell. And from there now, they propagate this through tissue culture and produce plants that have the bacterium gene within them. The reason we're told for this is that this now produces a, a plant that is naturally resistant to these worms, you know, like the cotton borer, I mean, the, the, the corn borer. And, you know, they're hoping also it will be helpful with the army worms, okay? So now that's, that's your now genetically modified plant. Some of the other reasons that we are given for the necessity of these GMOs, they may alter the plant so that it's, say, like a drought or, or resistant to certain weather conditions, or that it's disease resistant, like, for instance, what they did with the, with the Irish potato in Ireland against the fungus that was a bent to the farmers there. Or they could do it uh, to enhance nutrition, like what they've done with the golden rice, which they introduced in India, which is supposed to have vitamin or like the GMO banana they introduced in Uganda which is supposed to have more iron in it. Is that really the situation on the ground? Like improving nutrition? <laughs> well, you see like say with the golden cotton, after after the farmers had been long introduced into mon- monocropping rice and all the other nutritional plants 
taken away through use of weed killers, you know, through them being declared weeds. Now it was identified that the lack of, you know, this lack of this malnutrition because people are concentrating too much on just rice, okay? And now here comes Monsanto and, and, and all of them to save the situation with a genetically modified rice seed, which is called golden seed, which is supposed to have now vitamins. But when you, when you check the rice itself, the amount of vitamins it offers is actually negligible compared to the traditional vegetables that are that would naturally be you know have been available to the farmers and which can still be grown by the farmers so it's really not a solution in itself at all and it doesn't address the issue that diversity of food crops is actually what will lead to better nutrition. Same with the banana. Yeah, same with the banana in Uganda that was supposed to have more iron. Yeah, maybe away from that, what is the history and current status of GMOs in Kenya? Kenya in 2006 joined other African Union countries in partner resolution against GMOs. In 2009, a legislation was passed in Kenya banning the the use of you know the use and the growing of gmos and uh and in 2010 the nba the national biosafety authority was formed as the regulatory body to deal with all activities regarding gmos and and also enforce the ban on gmos so officially gmos are not in kenya officially okay as it were the the National Biosafety Authority, the board which is, is, is appointed to take care of all these GMOs, has actually been at the forefront of convincing the government that we ought to lift a ban on GMOs and therefore even has recommended to the government the introduction of BT code, which we already know being rolled out. And now they are also looking to recommend the introduction of BT maize and where they stand, the National Biosafety Authority is that GMOs should be introduced into Kenya. I believe this, yeah, the same thing also applies to GM cassava, which I think is under trials. Yeah, they're, they're trying all of these things with with an intro to introducing them. And um, well, well, to put it in perspective, all throughout the world, right now, only 26 countries in the world have allowed GMOs, you know, the growing and use of them legally, okay? Throughout the European Union and other places, majority of them, they don't plant GMOs at all. With the National Biosafety Authority trying to introduce BT maize, do you think GMOs are really the solution to the, to food insecurity? No, they are not at all. In fact, they are not at all necessary. What can truly and sustainably lead to food security is for farmers to grow varieties of food to get to get away from monocropping and grow varieties of food you know that can feed the nation and also at the same time grow it in a way that is in flow with the principles of nature so that you're using regenerative methods you're using the ways of nature to say for instance balance the issue of pests because actually nature there are no pests 
everything happens in a balance. In nature, there is no plant that is called weed. We only call weed the plant that we don't understand either its nutritional value or its value within the environment of our farming, you know. So therefore, biodiversity and an eye to working with natural methods is what we need to to both food safety, because when you grow lots of different foods, if one doesn't give as much, then you have guaranteed that all these others will give, you know? And at the same time, if you grow different, many different plants within your, your farming area, these plants work synergistically to uplift each other, to help each other that they are not overrode by particular insects. Uh, they work each other with each other even through the mycelium network underground, you know, ensure communication regarding nutrients, regarding aromas, regarding so many things that we are not even aware of. Therefore, biodiversity is allow, allows, allows nature's processes to work. Back to GMOs, whether they are a solution to food insecurity, are there some of the lessons that, let's say, Kenya can learn from other African countries that have already gone the GMO way? Actually, the, the real reason that, that GMOs do exist particularly commercial. We have these big, big seed companies, Monsanto, Sigenta, Bayer, and all of them. And, and they are strictly out to make a profit. So what they do is that they, they enter a place and they, 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 they discourage the original seeds that were found in that place, which farmers, through the help of nature, had actually bred for thousands of years for their nutritional, for their environmental, for their oil, and for, for their taste, you know, all of this, they come and discourage all of these seeds and term them to be primitive cultivars and say, we can introduce an improved seed to what you have, okay? And make sure now, since all these other seeds have been removed, the farmers are dependent on them for seeds. The farmers have to go every season to buy seeds. Kenya just commercialized BT cotton. What do we know about BT cotton? What are some of the issues that farmers have been experiencing? Well, the, wherever BT crops have been introduced, say for instance, let's take specifically BT cotton, which was introduced against the ballworm, okay, in cotton. What has happened is that while temporarily these BT crops introduced the use of insecticides, in the long run, you get now BT resistant ballworms, okay? Ballworms which are resistant to this gene which has been introduced to the cotton. And therefore, eventually they come and override the so-called benefit. At the same time, all these seeds, you know, they'll also be genetically modified to be weed killer resistant, okay? To be glyphosate resistant, which is the main ingredient in weed killers. So therefore, these companies, while on one hand they are selling you seeds which are supposed to be pesticide resistant, these seeds are also herbicide resistant and therefore they, they are now at the same time selling you 
herbicides that you can use freely. I believe that has actually affected the livelihoods of many farmers in the different countries that, that are already farming BT cotton. Oh yes, because apart from uh, the fact that the lie has been found out that they would redu- reduce pesticide and herbicide because where GMO crops are being used is where actually there's a huge spike of chemical use and these chemicals of course are produced by the same companies so it's not a coincidence but also at the same time the all these GMOs they are being sold to the farmers and since they are so input input dependent or these GMOs you have to buy the seeds you have to buy the chemicals to go with them you have to buy the herbicides to go with them and therefore the farmer now finds themselves investing so much into this sort of farming until a lot of farmers are left in crazy debts and some farmers lose their property out of these debts some farmers commit suicide so it's actually a stage being introduced of seed dictatorship and seed slavery I actually saw a documentary where farmers from Burkina Faso were saying instead of the BT cotton helping them as farmers it has actually led them into huge debts compared to how they used to farm traditionally so what happens when GMOs are introduced in the country do you think we have enough laws and policies that will get the coexistence between GMOs and organic farming like what happens in Isi where where we have farmers doing organic farming on their side farmers doing GMOs on their side do you think in Kenya we we have policies that will get the coexistence between the two no no i would say not because one thing is for certain when GMO crops are introduced they will definitely pollute all the other crops that they'll find here they'll contaminate them okay yes because of pollination and while some people could come and say that you know there are ways like maybe spacing them out or zoning or planting them in different seasons you know farmers here naturally follow the weather to know what time for for them to plant so how are you going to come and say to farmers this season it's for the gmo crops you chill and by the way wherever gmo crops are being introduced the big seed companies also have enough clout to pressure governments into registrations that will sort of outlaw original heirloom seeds which makes farmers actually criminals for doing what is natural to them that is seed preservation and change of original seeds so from the US to other countries Monsanto has been suing farmers whose crops have been contaminated through pollination by Monsanto GMOs and also they've been pushing as as i said registration either through lobbying their government uh, to include it in their foreign policy or infiltrating bodies like the World Trade Organization and all of this to influence policies because the whole idea is that uh, ultimately every farmer will be dependent on these seed companies for every seed that they can grow yeah i think what i totally get from you is that kenya is not yet ready for gmos kenya is not ready and I live alone that but like I say it's not even necessary at all I've been working with organic farms for the last 15 years and I've never ever needed to buy a seed any single seed from the, the seed store or, or yeah, the agrovet or whoever 
but I've been at the same time collecting the original seeds. The main seed that I have, I've had it for more than 10 years and I keep propagating it and sharing it and it goes from strength strength to strength, okay? So, so it's the same with the sorghum and with different vegetables and a whole lot of other crops. You don't ever need to buy seed. You don't ever need to buy chemicals for your farm. You don't ever need to buy fertilizer. You know, it's all not, not necessary. Let's not be sold on that lie. Uh, GMOs are just like tech and they fail like any other technology yeah. which are prone to risks and failures. What are the risks that farmers face and also as a consumer, what are the risks that face us and uh, from the environmental perspective as well? Okay, now to put it in perspective, Felistas, you and I, as we are right now, we are a result of, of a miracle of nature that over millions of years, two people have come together to reproduce and pass the exact combination of genes, okay, over many years so that we can be who we are today, okay? It's a very intricate and delicate process. So if anybody tells you that they can safely manipulate that process. Well, I'll leave it to you to believe or not, okay? So genetically modified I mean, organisms or specifically crops, okay? Even the scientists that have done them, they cannot vouch safe 100% that they, they do not even have any idea what sort of effect it will have on you, the consumer, okay? Or on our environment through these crops interacting with other plants that they found there okay the the people who argue for for gmo crops and their safety they claim that these crops have not been found to be conclusively unsafe okay and that's why they cannot be declared to be unsafe okay as in saying these crops are innocent until proven guilty uh, what I mean is that we, we don't have the facts, we don't have the full facts of them, but we'll, de we'll declare them innocent meanwhile, yeah, as we are looking for the guilt in them. There's nothing conclusive in this science that these things are safe. For our environment, apart from the direct pollution of other plants, it's been found that where GMOs are most used, like for instance, Brazil is the number one grower of GMOs. It's also the number one user of pesticides and herbicides and other chemicals. It's not a coincidence, you know? So these GMOs actually affect farmers. And even though, if you allow me to declare, the worst thing also, apart from enslaving farmers, because these GMOs have also been inserted with terminator genes, okay? Terminator genes, what it means is that they, they've introduced a little virus into them that affects the embryo of these seeds, and therefore this seed will not reproduce again after you plant it, okay? So therefore you have to go and buy the seed every time you want to plant. The intention is to ensure that every farmer in the world has to go out and buy these seeds whenever time they want to plant them. Apart from that aspect of enslaving farmers, it's also 
the sheer audacity of enslaving the seed itself because seeds have a right in, in themselves I would even put it as sacred right because they are the vehicle that perpetuates life that passes on uh, the continuity of life so they have a right to be exempt from interference contamination sterilization you also have a famous phrase my path has led me to engage in seeking ways to live wholesomely what does that mean in relation to approaches to food diets and farming methods in Kirinyaga you know my interest in um, discovering the actual real and sustainable way to live led me to ask questions regarding food how, how, how we get it you know how we plant it how we eat it how we distribute it the rights of you know i mean why should some people have access and why shall, should some people starve okay and this is the path that has led me first of all through organic farming farming naturally realizing the need to preserve original seeds and at the same time most of all realizing my place as one of nature's agent just like the bird that comes into the garden you know drops its feces and in it there's a seed that grows yeah just like the bee that comes and buzzes around flowers and gets its nourishment while at the same time ensuring pollination and therefore the continuity even i my place at the farm is is to be part of the natural cycle of things okay and therefore my footprint you know is not based on controlling and having dominion or domination over the land but actually learning from mama earth and all the other creatures how we can all live in that interrelatedness in that interconnectedness and, and therefore establish a thriving way of living which is beneficial to all of us all of us that constitute nature from the soil to the plants to the organisms you know the people the animals and regenerative farming which in its practical ways is establishing like a food forest whereby you're taking the template of a natural forest a natural forest is always in abundance nobody ever goes to till a natural forest nobody ever goes to plant new seeds nobody ever goes to spray pesticides nobody ever goes to introduce new improved seeds yet a natural forest is a symbol of a thriving ecosystem feeding thousands of organisms and ensuring natural weather patterns are maintained as we wrap up if you could ask the listeners who are listening to the podcast to take action on the question of gmos what would you see Well I would say first of all I'll reiterate that they are not necessary at all either for food security or for environmental well-being or for nutritional well-being so therefore let us shun them unequivocally okay secondly let us remember within ourselves and together with each other of the natural ways that have sustained us generations upon generations let's tap into that natural wisdom 
and let's work as one with it and surely we will not go wrong. Let us disassociate from a lot of the lies that have been sold to us, you know, and look within ourselves for the blueprint of how we really should live. Thank you so much, Kitaka. Thank you, Felicity. Thank you to all our listeners as well for joining us till the end of the show. If you have any questions, feel free to write to us on info at rootofu.org. You can also find us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, Achakula Podcast, like, review, rate, subscribe, and share. I'm your host, Feli. I'll catch you next time. Bye.